Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Yes, Robert Gerrish here, founder of Flying Solo, co-author of the bestseller of the same name and author of The One Minute Commute, my latest book published by Pan Macmillan and available in all good bookshops online and as an audiobook, courtesy of audible.com. Yikes, six hours of me droning on. Anyway, that's enough about the one-minute commute. Now, before I introduce our guest, let me tell you about Flying Solo's premium membership. There's a mass of tools and benefits to help your business stand out and to ensure you stay at the top of your game. As part of membership, you get a full-page listing in the directory, entry to a private discussion group, access to a library of over 80 how-to videos, a copy of the Flying Solo book, and much, much more, all for just $99. Head to the join page to find out more. Now, my guest today is Ash Roy. After 15 years working in the corporate world, during which time he gained his MBA and qualified as a Certified Practicing Accountant, or CPA, Ash started Productive Insights, a consulting business that helps you spend more time working on your business and less time working in your business. Yes, Ash is a bit of a productivity nut. He's also a digital marketing strategist and someone who is always trying to do things the smarter way. We're going to explore how podcasting supports his business and indeed his personal growth. And maybe, just maybe, this will give you a nudge to start your own podcast. Hey, hello, Ash. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Okay. So look, you've uh, how long have you run your podcast for now? How long ago did you start? I'd say it'd be about coming up on three years now, or maybe just a bit over. Okay. And just let's wind back to the beginning. You know, that's, that's a number of years you've been running and, you know, podcasts still relatively new. What was the motivation for you to get started? Why did you, why did you want to do a podcast? Great question. Well, the truth is I was a blogger at the time and my mentor at the time, John Morrow, suggested I do a series of interviews and package them up into a product. So the first person I'd interviewed was Neil Patel, and I had that sitting on my hard drive for a year and a half, and I'd kind of forgotten about it. I'd been meaning to publish it, but I didn't have clarity around what context or framework in which I would publish it because I was mainly doing writing at the, writing at the time. So that, that interview with, with uh, Neil Patel, was that, that was a voice interview, you're saying, not a written interview? 
It was, that's correct. It was actually a video interview and oh, I okay. still haven't published the video. I've just published <laughs> the video. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. But I then uh, met my next mentor, James Ramko, who mm-hmm. convinced me to publish that one episode as the first one of a podcast. And I was concerned about how I was going to be able to publish it without having any more podcasts in the wings. But once sure. I did publish it, I got the momentum and it just went from there. Okay. So, and the, what is it? Okay. So it sounds like to some extent your, you know, your first podcast wasn't, wasn't necessarily hugely intentional. It was an interview yes. that was sitting there and then other people kind of nudge you to do it. But, you yes. know, here we are now, you're, you're a few years into it. How does, a po- forgetting the marketing side of podcasting for a moment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What other sort of ways does does the process of interviewing and podcasting, how is that helping you? Indeed, is that helping you in your business growth? Great question. Well, it's been phenomenally helpful. And that probably is an understatement, even though it's such a strong <laughs> a <big> statement. statement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's helped me in many ways, Robert. The first thing that it's allowed me to do is crystallize a lot of my thoughts, my notions, my beliefs around business and almost try them out with very successful entrepreneurs. In my case, because I did an MBA and I have a whole lot of frameworks rattling around my head, I often bring them into a conversation and very often the guest has this aha moment and goes, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So they've had a actual experience of something that I learned a framework around and the two come together and it forms a very nice closing of the loop experience. Mm. The other thing I found podcasting very useful for is building a platform. It allows me to invite high profile guests onto my show and I can go toe to toe with them because I always try and make sure I bring my own value to each episode because I'm the common denominator. And I always think about how I can enhance my listener's life in some way through the content, mainly making it actionable. So that is a second way in which I'm able to give massive value to my audience and feel like I'm contributing to the world. And the third way is if I need to work on an area in my own life, and more recently I've been working a lot on mindset, I go and find people who've really made it in their field and ask them questions that I would be asking myself if I had them one-on-one as a a coach. So for instance, I interviewed Amy Porterfield and asked her about how she can have more, how to have more courage being on video. And amazingly enough, she too was struggling with being on video and that had a bit of a motivational cathartic kind of effect Uh, or Noah Kagan, who's the founder of AppSumo. So having, these big names and realizing that they too are vulnerable people. They too have their own struggles and they've overcome those teaches me to feel the fear and do it anyway. That's great. Isn't that, isn't that just the most gorgeous sort of benefit to get, uh, you know, from this process that you can, you know, you clearly have the confidence to kind of reach out to just about anyone and invite them onto your show, but Mm -hmm. you're learning so much. And then at the same time, you know, your listeners are, are experiencing your kind of revelations in their own way as they Absolutely. listen to it. So tell me, you know, I'm going to jump around a bit here, so please forgive me no for problem. that. Um, 
so when you reach out to somebody is you know you've you've mentioned some names there that will be familiar to some people not to all people but they're people that have a large following that have already built a high profile for themselves do you find that process easy to reach out to them and no. you get it <laughs> okay <laughs> no it's not easy but i can share some insights around what works for me if you like sure let's hear them so when it comes to reaching out to an influencer, one of the most common things I've noticed people tend to do is they start by asking for something. The sad truth is influencers get asked for something almost every day of the week. Mm. And since my podcast has started to develop some momentum and since I've had a few influencers on my show, I'm starting to develop borrowed authority now and people are starting to reach out to me. And as soon as somebody comes out to you and says, hey, be on my show, or hey, can you do this for me? Or can you promote this for me? It just turns you off. Totally, but yeah. when people have reached out to me, and they have very intelligently, they've made a specific comment about a specific episode they listened to or a specific piece of content that I published and said, this helped me. This is how it helped me. This is how I put what you said into action. And this was the result I got. It now makes me realize, hang on, I'm adding some value to the world. And I feel a little bit more validated. We all need validation like you know, all of us do. So yep. that's now specific feedback. And so that tells me, okay, this person is different from a lot of the rest. Hmm, they've and, actually listened to my show. Yes. And yeah. that makes me feel like, okay, you know, I'm actually going to read the whole email. Now, it, it sounds really awful, but when you're getting five and six emails every day propositioning you to do various things for people, you do have to become selective about what you read. Of course. This, the next thing I find that works is then offering them specific value where they will benefit. Think of offering value rather than asking for something. So I recently saw a mess, a post from Seth Godin, and I have yep. never seen a typo ever in any of his content, but I found one about a week ago. Well, and so I responded. Yes. And, and so I yeah. responded and I said to him tactfully, I said, Seth, I have been reading your stuff for a long time. I have never seen a typo in any of your stuff. This could be a mistake that I'm making, but I just thought that you should know that this word, the, probably should be they. Um, but, you know, <laughs> forgive me if I've overstepped the line. Overstepped, yeah. And he responded immediately saying, fixed, thanks. Yeah. So now I'm not asking him to help me with something. I'm trying to offer him value. Of course I'd love to have him on sure. my show. Yeah but I don't expect it and I don't take it for granted. Mm. Okay. Now that look, that's, that's a great point. And, um, it's interesting, uh, the approach that you use and, and, uh, like you, you know, at flying solo, we get a lot of people approaching us sort of saying, Hey, I want to be on your show. Invariably it's not the individual. It's kind of someone else that they've kind of put on the task of getting them on podcast shows. Right. And, and I share uh, the, the same sort of thoughts that you have is that it can be really annoying, particularly if the person in question has no kind of parallel or relation to the theme of your podcast and clearly hasn't done any research or any listening. So I totally get that you, know, you make sure that you do and you offer something of value 
But even so, to to do that and to go to somebody who really is, um, you know, in a, a thought leader is someone who's in a, a position of, you know, ha- having a big a big following, an influencer. Um, your incidence of success still must be quite low. Does that ever? Does that worry you, or do you, I mean, do you persevere, or is it? You know, how how do you how do you absolutely see it through to getting them on your show? That's a great question. There's two more things that I will say that have helped me. Now, my hit rate or success rate or conversion rate seems to be quite high, but that's partly because I'm quite selective about who I approach. I tend to only approach people that I genuinely in some way connect with and I really want to have on my show. There are a lot of people that are very big names that I haven't approached because my values don't align with them. So there is that natural inclination, that natural connection. So when I do approach them, I would like to think that genuineness sort of comes through. The second thing is, as you start to get more and more influencers on your show, I've now probably had maybe 50 or 60 fairly big names, the founders of Copyblogger and you know a lot of big names, then it becomes a case of, well, if they don't be on your show, they could be conspicuously absent. So it becomes <laughs> increasingly easy to have them on your show. So mm. when I reach out to them, I might say, I'd love to have you on my show. Other people that you may know that have been on my show include, and there's a list of these oh, big names. Um, a bit of very sensible, strategic name dropping. Correct. And mm. the third thing is I find very useful is going to conferences. So I recently went to Digital Marketing Down Under specifically for the purpose of getting Ryan Dice and his crowd onto my show. And right. I interviewed Ryan Dice just a couple of days before I interviewed you, Robert, on my podcast. Okay. So I, by physically going there and physically meeting him, shaking his hand, telling him I would love to have you on my show, that worked. I'd been trying to contact Ryan before, by the way, through Facebook and other things, but he just doesn't read those messages because he has sure. too much, you know, information. Too much going on. In. Yep. Yeah. And there's nothing, you know, there's nothing quite as strong, and obviously it's not always practical, but there's nothing quite as strong as actually being in front of somebody physically Absolutely. there. Is there yeah. and to say, you know, it's a lot easier to kind of refuse an invite uh, via email than it is when someone's standing in front of you saying, Hey, I'd love to interview you. You know, my recorder's in my pocket. Let's go over here. Um, exactly. So, yeah, I'd like to just go back to one of the sort of themes that we've touched on there that is how you use, and I'm, and you know, I, 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 I must say, I, I use this in the same sort of way how you use podcasting as a means to grow your own knowledge and your professional and personal development. So um, how, does, how do you balance that with maintaining a sort of a theme for your podcast? Does that make sense? I mean, if, if yes. a lot of your work I know is digital, digital marketing, productivity, what if you see someone who's really kind of, I don't know, nailed it when it comes to um, self-care or meditation or something? Mm-hmm. Would you still go to that person even though it might not necessarily fit the positioning of your podcast? Uh, that's a great question. Well, yes, if I can make it relevant to my audience. And it all comes back to the audience at the end of the day. So my audience is typically self-employed professionals or business owners who have a decent 
annual turnover who are looking to grow their existing business using online strategies. There are four key themes in my podcast. One theme is digital marketing. The second one is productivity. The third one is marketing automation. And the fourth one is mindset. Now, there may be future themes I come up with, but generally, if I can fit people into one of those four themes, and I still think it'll offer value to my target audience, my avatar, then I will say yes to having them on. The second thing is I have a specific framework that I usually follow, which I have followed for almost every single one of the episodes I've had a guest on. And that is basically around understanding why, or let me rephrase that, that's basically around drawing it out of the guest as to why that specific topic is important to my audience, what that specific topic means, a bit more of a deep dive into the topic. So let's take an example. Let's say we're talking about mindset. Why is mindset important to business owners today, business owners being my target audience? The next question might be, how does one go about developing a stronger mindset so that they can achieve a more successful business? What do we mean by mindset? What is mindset? What is mindset not? What action steps can a listener take? And a lot of these, by the way, I should give credit to my mentor, James Framco. I learned these from him. Sure. Okay. Look, I think that that's a, that's a great point. I love the way that you've, within your podcast, you've got, you've kind of segmented almost four themes but it's not hard to see when, when, you know, when we hear you talking about it, how any one of those can absolutely come back to, you know, what, if you like, is perhaps at the core of your, uh, your target audience's need. So, for example, if, if most people that are working with you are wanting to grow their business and have more clients, then it's not hard to see how having the right mindset means they're going to get to their work at the beginning of the day and be much more effective. So, you know, I can totally see how you how you link all those things together, and I think that's a you know a, a delightfully clear way to do that. Let's let's um, can I just. just- just yeah, jump in on. for a second. There's, there's mm. something else that is extremely powerful about having those four themes that I think you and your audience might benefit from. In episode 140, I talked to a guy called Andre Chaperon who has something called automated responder sequences, and he uses this, this, this tagging system to deliver content that is very relevant. So when you have these four themes, you can create out of your content pre-ordained emails using autoresponder sequences around productivity, around mindset, around marketing automation, et cetera. And depending on what things your audience clicks on in the emails that you send them, you can send them more content that is relevant to them. So now you are solving their problems more effectively without being a pest, without polluting their inboxes, and therefore creating more value in their lives and building your business further because you're delivering more value. Yeah. Okay. Now that's, that's, that's really good. That's really nice and clear. I totally get that. So let's just have a look again um, at your podcast in your business. So do you, and do you suggest that listeners uh, consider a podcast, um, establishing a podcast as a potential revenue stream? What do you think about that? Great question. I personally do not think podcasting directly translates into revenue if you're planning to do ads and things like that. I think the 
costs outweigh the benefits when it comes to traditional podcast ads. Now, the kind of ads I do recommend is the kind of thing that you did at the start of this conversation. I really like that because you are the trusted person, you're the trusted voice, your audience knows you, and you're promoting a product that is yours. So it's there's a whole lot of integrity in that whole process, in the solution, in the products, in the fit, in the product market fit, etc. If, however, you're advertising shaving blades or you're saying this episode is brought to you by this shampoo, well, that just feels incongruent and annoying, in my opinion. So I think podcasting can be a great tool if you are able to promote your own products because there is that integrity, as I said earlier, there's a congruence. And I think it should ideally be done by the guest, sorry, by the podcast host themselves. I do think if you are like a Tim Ferriss and you're getting 6 million downloads an episode, you can't talk about other products. Anything, yes. About anything. But I still think the conversion rates probably wouldn't, in my view, justify putting the products on there. I still think a Tim Ferriss would be better off promoting a Tim Ferriss product than somebody else's product. But that's just my personal take on it. Um, I see it a lot. Let me just stop stop you there for a second. I totally get your point. But I mean, taking into account, you know, your MBA, your um, qualifications as an accountant, do you not sit there sometimes at the end of a month and go, hmm, I've spent eight hours this month or 16 or 20 hours this month on my podcast, are you not occasionally sitting there thinking, is that, am I getting good ROI on that? And if so, how are you measuring that? That's a great question. I think any form of authority building tool, podcasting being one of them, is something that is very difficult to measure the ROI on in the short term. Let's look at an example that a lot of us can relate to. I'm a big fan of Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett sits there and reads 500 pages, he says, of these financial reports every day. He's Mm. got CNBC playing in the background on this television. He's poring over these reports, but he can't probably tell you the ROI for every report he reads. However, he can tell you that over a period of 45 or 50 years or whatever, he's built what is it now, $85 billion in value. So I think it's important to look at podcasting as a long-term game, and this is the key. Mm -hmm. If you try and think what, how much ROI has this episode brought me, it's not going to work. If you think how much ROI has this podcast brought me over the last five years, and how much has it improved me as a person individually apart from above and beyond the business revenue? How much of it, how much confidence has it given me? How many influencers has it allowed me to connect with who I can pick up the phone and reach out to because they've been on my show three times? I can call Rand Fishkin probably now and he would probably take my call because I've had him on the show three times and know him. So you can't put a value on those things. However, you can say over a long period of time it does work. Yeah, I, that, that's that's a that's a really 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 good way to look at it, and I totally agree with you that you know your comment there about it being you know like a, a it's a long game, it's the long tail, that's the way the value just grows and grows and grows, and and what I find so interesting is when somebody 
discovers your podcast for the first time, and it might be three or four years or, you know, two or 300 episodes in, what do they do? Well, if they like what you're doing, they'll often go right back to the beginning and play the whole damn lot. So it's it's so interesting. So, um, okay, I'm going to just, let's look at some other um, sort of benefits that you personally have gained by the process of podcasting. What else has it done for you as a person and as a business? I've developed some really valuable friendships with people who I would never otherwise have met, often people who are extremely successful in their field. I've developed great depth of knowledge very quickly because I've had the honor and pleasure of interviewing these very successful people. Andre Chaperon taught me about email marketing. Rand Fishkin taught me about content and SEO. Joe Polizzi taught me about meeting your customer where they are on their journey. So I've learned a lot of deep stuff very quickly. It's like having some of the world's leading minds as your coaches almost. The second thing is you can't put a value on friendship, especially friendship that allows you to be the best that you can be, that allows you to think bigger. You know, Jim Rohn said you're, you're an average of the five people you hang out with or the four people or whatever it was. Well, when you have a podcast, you're hanging out with a very accomplished, successful human being once a week or month or however often you do it. And often if you have a connection with them, you invite them back onto your show because you just like them. Mm. And if they come back, that means they like you too. And there's probably a friendship that's going to grow out of it. That's just the top things that come to mind. Yeah, when- look, I, 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 and they're clearly, you know, again, talking about ROI. How do you put a price on that? I mean, the, the, those right. are wonderful things. What about your, I know that um, that speaking, public speaking, presenting uh, is becoming something that you're doing or has become quite a large part of your work. Is that enhanced through your podcasting? Oh, look, that's such a good question, Robert. And actually, I was, I forgot to mention that. (laughs) When you speak on a podcast, and I often record mine on video, but even if you're not doing it on video, that's all the more, um, that makes it all the more important that you become a good communicator and you become an engaging speaker. You see, in today's really noisy world, it's important to be succinct, but yet to be entertaining and yet of a value. So you get trained to do that because you're performing once every week and it naturally lends itself to public speaking. I'm being invited more and more to speak at conferences and I can tell you that I'm a lot less nervous when I go to speak at major events than I would have been if I didn't have a podcast. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with that. And, you know, I guess the thing as well is if anybody's... um, you know, planning an event and looking for speakers, you know, one of the, and indeed looking for podcast guests, one of the key things is you want to know that you're inviting somebody who can actually speak, you know, and, uh, you know, it might sound so basic, but uh, I've certainly been caught out in the past where I've uh, invited someone as a podcast guest because I've read something they've written. Um, but I haven't, what I haven't done on a couple of occasions I can recall is I hadn't actually checked, can this person 
kind of articulate um, off the top of the head. Because as you know, I don't write, I don't send you questions in advance. I don't send mm -hmm. you any kind of podcast plan, really. I just kind of hit the ground running. So it's, uh, which I enjoy, it helps my energy, but it also kind of necessitates, I've got people that I have guests like you, you know, people that can just talk. Yes. and know their stuff but it's sometimes it, it is interesting because you can get people who are very good at writing but mm -hmm. not so great at articulating it so yeah i think that's a very very good extra benefit of podcasting is it opens the doors builds confidence all of those things what one other thing you touched on there um briefly which i realized i hadn't talked to you about is how do you feel about the topic of frequency do you mm. feel that to anybody listening who's maybe thinking of doing a podcast, maybe they've got sitting on their hard drive a recording or a video that they did some while ago, how important is frequency and kind of regularity? Do we have to do this every month or every week or every fortnight, or can we just kind of do it when we feel like it? That's a great question. I would answer that by saying it's a bit of a sliding scale I think frequency and consistency, by the way, I see them as two different things. Frequency is you know, how often you do it, and consistency is how often you consistently do it. So my point, okay. being, my point being that someone who's publishing an episode every day is doing it very frequently. But if they're doing it every day for a week and then nothing for a month and then every day for two weeks and then nothing for another six months, well, that's not consistent. And the mm. thing that we as humans tend to use to build trust amongst other things is consistency. So I always tell my podcast launch clients that if you are looking to have a podcast, there is that honeymoon period when you first launch and you're just so in love with it. You just want to publish a whole lot of content. Well, guess what? I tell them, record the content and pile it all oh, up, yeah. but release it at a consistent schedule. Start off on a monthly episode. And then if you think you can honor a fortnightly consistency, then up it to fortnightly and then weekly and gradually increase it. But don't start off daily and then taper off. There is one exception I would say that comes into play when it comes to consistency and that is waffling and talking rubbish. Now, there are some podcasts where people like hearing about what you had for breakfast and what you did last night and so on, but I don't enjoy those kind of podcasts. I personally am a little bit more business focused and I just want to get to the point. And so I assume my listeners, rightly or wrongly, want that want to be treated that way as well. So I say if you can't come up with good quality content that you genuinely think will solve your audience's problem and is actionable, then maybe you can look at sacrificing consistency up to a point. But the ideal solution is produce content consistently and offer value consistently. Yeah, okay. No, that, that's, that's a great point. And uh, yeah, I agree with that. And that, that point that you described there where, and you know, we've probably both seen it. I've, I went through an exercise recently where I was reviewing, uh, you know, most of probably 30 or so of the leading Australian podcasts. And that's mm -hmm. how I found you, incidentally. Oh, thank you. Um, and I had a look through them and it, gosh, it's, it's scary how, how, many shows you come up against where the last one published was seven months ago. 
Right. You know, but where you see a kind of a real run and then obviously someone's run out of steam and it's just stopped mm. or there's long breaks. So I, I agree with you. I think such a good, good tip that you give to some of your clients is get some things recorded, you know, get them in the can, but then when you release them, release them at a, yeah. you know, at a regular sort of pace, regardless of whether that's regularly once a quarter or once mm. a week or once a day. Great point. So and just look, one more uh, thing I just want to add yeah, there, sure, sure. Robert. It is okay to change your frequency every now and then. I used to publish an episode every week and then I dropped to fortnightly and now I've dropped to monthly because other things have come into my life. My business has become important, but now I'm trying to stick to that monthly episode. I've got one with you, Robert, but I haven't published it yet because I'm trying to now stick to a monthly frequency because I don't want to chop and change too much. So it's okay to change your frequency. Just don't do it constantly. That's all. Okay, great point. Okay, and look, finally, before I wrap us up, let's just get this out into the public. Who would you most like to get on your show? Let's put it out there. Seth Godin. Okay, all right. Seth, if you're listening, and I know you are, <laughs> Ash is ready for you. Okay, mate. <laughs> Ash, <laughs> hey, come on. You might be surprised. You never know. Absolutely. These things happen. Okay, Ash, thank you so much. Where can we find out more about you? Just head over to ProductiveInsights.com or look for Productive Insights on iTunes. Okay, great stuff. All right, well, look, Ashroy, thank you very much for spending your time with the Flying Solo community. And before I go, don't forget that when it comes to creating a truly enjoyable and prosperous business, Flying Solo gets you premium membership, has all the tips and tools you'll need for just $99. Head to the join page to learn more. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.